So hello everybody, welcome back to another Paddle and Foil show. It's been a while since we've done, um, when was our last episode? By the middle of February. It was a long time. Really apologise, we've had a lot of stuff going on. It's been great, really busy, and we will speak about some of that stuff in this video. The Paddle and Foil show is where we highlight some of the industry news, some of the stuff that we've been coming up and coming across over the last few months. We're going to highlight some of the best Ask the Experts questions that we've got through our Supporter Pro channel, answering things about getting people on the right kit or certain technique. And we're also just going to be reflecting on the industry in general and having a bit of a rant. And we could have a little sing-song if you want. And he's, this boy band thing, <laughs> not really sure it works, but I think Bo should be in the middle for that. Lead singer? And, and, oh! <laughs> lead singer. So yeah, generally a bit of information and we are going to cover obviously foiling, winging, supping, just everything that we do at Sup Border. So let's start off with the industry news first, probably looking at some new technology and composites. Will, do you want to lead on that one? Yeah, it's been really interesting over the last couple of months learning about some or seeing these trends of how brands are starting to think a little bit outside the box in the way they manufacture things. And I think it's really encouraging. So a, a little bit more, a little bit less dependent on the Far East, um, bringing production more local. So, yeah. you know, big part of the foiling and the winging market and the SUP market is in Europe. So manufacturing those products in Europe makes a lot of sense. Um, you're seeing brands like Apple Tree bringing production um, to Portugal and managing to do it in a really successful way. And it looks like that's a sustainable business model. Um, then there's, there's other companies like uh, AFS, which is based in France. They're manufacturing some of their things in, um, I think, Tunisia, but also some of them locally in France. So much shorter lead times, much less shipping, you know, and some are arguing better quality. That sounds um, great. I mean, lead times straight away, so I'm interested in that. Yeah, 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 because we see some really horrific lead times, don't we, yeah. for equipment? And, yeah. Um, with particularly, I think, with the, work, the pace that foiling is developing, yeah. That really you can you can you can if you've got yeah. a short lead time you've got some really massive benefits. You've got a five month lead time that the industry's moved on already, yeah, yeah. especially in the foiling. But um, we did actually sort of talk about this, wanting this to happen about was it a year and a half ago, two years ago? How maybe because the surf industry, you come from, you know a lot about surf industry both, so that all their boards are all produced kind of licensed manufacturing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Yeah, like you said. So it'd be nice if that all goes towards down that route. But it definitely takes some innovators and leaders to try and push. In that direction so it's good to see those brands doing that is yeah. that up the prices at all manufacturing in europe i think that they they managed to kind of achieve the same kind of pricing um because i think where they where they lose out in areas they can gain in other areas you know lower shipping costs i imagine but also i think we're starting to see a slightly different approach to the manufacturing techniques as well which um i know in foiling like a stiff board is always going to be really really great um Higher and stiffness generally goes hand in hand with better quality, which is yeah. great for more environmentally sustainable products. Um, so I think we're seeing perhaps a little bit more of that. Um, whereas perhaps when you're based out in the Far East with your manufacturing in the Far East and your your brand in Europe or or the Americas, it's harder to create that connection between between the factory and the brand. Whereas if it's a bit more close together, I think there's some they're starting to see I think some some progress. Really encouraging. I was really excited to hear about it. Yeah. It's 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 a great yeah it's a great move. Hopefully it keeps on moving in that direction. Hopefully even with big stuff like inflatable paddleboards and stuff, it would be great if it managed to. There's some really interesting stuff as well uh, called Brainchild, and that's that's a business that's that's based in in Europe, and it's trying to really shake up the way that 
um, sails, kites, wings are made, really throwing the existing model of relying on on the, the factories in the, in Asia, completely throwing that on its head, but also completely changing the way that we approach how those products are manufactured in terms of colours and printing and completely different. Some really interesting stuff, and maybe we'll put some links to some interesting podcasts in the description. Yeah, and this actual, I've just got a new board. It's in the background. I'm very happy with it, Starboard Pro. No, no pimp to Starboard, bought it. It's just nice, very nice board. But I had one complaint, is obviously the lead time takes quite a long I'm not going to say how long that board took to get here. Anyway, it's a year newer than the one I ordered. Um, but one of my queries was, I was chatting to Bo about it, is that comes as a quad or a thruster, so a five fin box, but I don't really ride quads. It'd be great if I could specify them at factory to just go, I just want a thruster. Get rid of the box. Uh, you know, I know that obviously resale and that sort of stuff, but that, I suppose, if you're close to a factory, you could almost, well, not yeah. closer to a factory, but maybe have that sort of connection even at factory source, it'd be great to be able to do that. Yeah, it would it? be great. I know Ruben's got a big thing about having holes in the bottom of his board. <laughs> but I think even, um, you know, I've got a bit of a rant as well with Star Wars because... Oh dear. Well, a, a little bit of a rant. Yeah. They come with five fin, fin boxes, but they'll only supply three fins or a quad fin. So you don't get the option of using all the five fin boxes at all. So yeah. I think for your one, you got just a I've two plus one. Setup. Yeah, exactly. So if you wanted to use the quad, you know, some people don't have a you know massive fin collection. Yeah. So if you only use the fins that come with the board, then it's hard to, to really try. So I think supplying the board with all those fins yeah. might be a good option. Obviously, it's a cost thing and stuff, but I think... Yeah. Um, or blanking plates. I know that I'm going to shout always Fnatic always yeah. came with blanking plates. Fnatic, really good, um, yeah. yeah. In fact, <laughs> I've got a lot of Fnatic blanking plates in my other boards. <laughs> oh, I'll <have> those. <laughs> Put them in there. But yeah, it's that sort of stuff. But it'd be nice for factories if you could... Mm. really sort of tailor it a little bit more even though it is a production board but if they're making it for you yeah could yeah. you not say oh but obviously i can see that's going to have some constraints with the factories the workers and stuff but yeah i think it's generally a really good positive move that potentially more localized production gives those options i don't know if you see in the surf market more custom more ability to customize license shapes like specifying the fin boxes you want in them because i imagine mm. when you've got builders you've got that got that ability i think yeah more, oh, definitely more yeah, control sure. more ability for flexibility mm -hmm. and um yeah i think we're probably all going to be looking for that now you, know, yeah. you get your you order your it's a bit like buying a car isn't it you <laughs> order your board and you specify well, you wait longer yeah, yeah, exactly. that, in fact you could get a car quicker probably <laughs> yeah we did an inflatable surf test six months ago now God, it was a while ago anyway mm. really good surf test on site water pro me and bo get loads of boards head to head um, a lot of fun and if you're buying an ice up you need to just sign up and subscribe to that no bit of a pimp but it'll save you a lot of headaches and head scratching anyway a lot of people have bought boards off of that and starboard have released a new inflatable surfs up um because their one that won the test was their 95 by 32 by 4.75 mm -hmm. inches thick get my words right um and they've now brought a new one out which is the same length same width but it's four inches thick Wow. Because my only negative on that one is for me at a lighter ride, a 75 kg, it was a bit too thick. You loved it being over 80 kg below. Definitely not. So they've brought a new one out um, halfway through the season. They're, they still got that current 9.5 at the moment, the older one. Sorry, not the older one, the 4.75 inch thick one. Mm -hmm. So now there's three inflatable surf ups at the moment in the starboard range. Okay. An 8.7 wedge 
It'd be really interesting to know how that performs and if it could be a test winner because yeah. how much that thickness would yeah. be great for those two balls head to head. Yeah. And the yeah. reason it's really yeah. exciting and high yeah. is because Starboard are putting energy, time and effort into making an inflatable surface up. And I do mm. think, yeah, they're not as good as composite boards, but they're a hell of a laugh. We had such fun riding <laughs> them um, and they are going to get you on the water and get you travelling and stuff. So it's good to see that they're... they're Definitely a place for them. Yes. So if you're lighter, the 75, 80 kg, there's that board coming out. I don't even think it's out yet in shops and stuff, but definitely it's on, have it on your radar. Yeah. It's, uh, they're replacing that 4.75? They, they're getting rid of it? Actually, that is the slight, yeah, that is the slight one. They are actually going to replace that 4.75. Okay. So this, this new one is it's four inches thick, as I said, but it's got the new parabolic rails and the new, the, the double chambers moved slightly further back. There's a few other little changes. So... I'm hoping and guessing that is going to be as stiff compared to the 4.75. Right. But and also I'm thinking, is it really going to serve people at 95 kg? That's the other thing as well. In weight. Yeah, it so, might change who's going to ride it. Um, yeah, who's going to ride it. And actually, if you look at the range now, a bit of an interesting one. If They've got an 8.7 by 32 inches and a 9.5 by 32 inches. And the new range will be both at the same thicknesses. They're quite close. Hmm. I thought it would be an eight seven by. <laughs> they're gonna hate it now. An eight seven by thirty, make a thirty one, and then a nine five by thirty two. Bit of a difference in the two. Mm. What's your news, Bo? My news. Yeah. Now I've had much industry news. <laughs> he's been doing a lot of. Well, he's been getting. We're, we're waiting for this. What we're waiting for. That's yeah, exactly. Bo's like, uh, it's like <laughs> exactly. a horse at the gate that is waiting for the. the well, I haven't surfed for months. <laughs> got this, all the, probably this is probably the most the nicest board rack in probably the world of a quiver killer potential sizes. You know, your ten, your um, what what are the, what's the size spec for this test we're doing both? Uh, between seven eight to eight feet in length, twenty eight to thirty inches in width, and between one hundred and five and one hundred and fifteen liters. Yeah, that's the spec. The quiver killer test. One board that hopefully will do it all. Yeah, that's it. We've got a lot of boards that could definitely do it all there. I do mean, you know the mock Tommy head bow? What sizes and no, no, just the, the boards. Yeah, let's go. Uh, uh, Sonova, Lurkin. Yeah, go yeah. Uh, Sonova Placid. We've got the Loco Guppy Infinity B line. No, no it's uh, the R and B, the round nose blur. Yep. Uh, the Smith Hipster Twin. Yeah. The Fanatic All Wave Starboard Spice and the Quattro Carve Pro. Yeah. Ooh, great lineup. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. It's been it's been pretty depressing looking at all my rack. <laughs> None of them have got wet yet, have they? Because actually, there is a few got wet. I, I've been out. Oh, you've had but not not stuff you could really. Well, you've been working. Well, we have. But that one's. Snowed under at the moment. Yeah, yeah, but there's been a bit of a drought, isn't there? For way yeah, too there has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I guess coming in the summer, all the hemisphere always goes a bit flat. Yeah. Um, we're gonna get that one done quickly, but. Yeah, exactly. it's out there. No. <laughs> the problem with these tests, just if you're unaware, you think, hey, it's great, get on with the test. It takes a lot of work to get all these boards in one room. Okay, there's a lot of logistics with companies buying the boards, getting the boards, getting them sent down, whatever. However, we get them and timing it all right to get them on that rack. And it is a shame to have them sat there for three weeks on that rack. So if you sent us a board or helped us get down a board, thank you very much. We really appreciate you working with us to get this done. Just bear with us. Hopefully the wind and surf gods will <laughs> deliver. Um, other interesting news and stuff to chat about? Uh, it's probably 
fair to shout about what Blue Yu has been doing. We talked about him yeah. in the last Paddle and Foil show. Mm -hmm. um, Blue's um, done a few features with us around getting into racing, preparing for your race season, drafting, some really interesting uh, features there. Make sure you check them out. But Blue has been absolutely killing it on the Euro Tour. Yeah, he certainly has. He's been just every race. He seems to be just getting better and better and better. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he won an event. It was it wasn't the Euro Tour. But he won an event. Uh, I think it was like the Alps yeah. race or something like that. Uh, that was yeah, that was probably his biggest international win. And then more recently, he won one of the Euro Tour long distances, mm. the Board Ocean Sup Days. Um, yeah, he won the long distance ahead of Connor Baxter, Michael Booth, some massive names there. Yeah, and yeah. He, uh, he decided. I think he decided to take a different line on the last lap. And it paid off for him. Yeah, that's amazing. It's um, it's a good, very fo focused, motivated young guy, and he's, yeah, he's yeah. seeing the rewards of his. He's hard also work, not afraid to take a bit of risk, which is good as well. Yeah, yeah, you know, something different. Don't follow everybody else like that. Yeah, yeah, and he looks like his his uh, support from NSP is working out really well. Uh, but generally on the industry news, it's a little bit quieter this time. Yeah, there's some, there's still foils being made. There's still some new wings. Duotone brought another wing out and that sort of stuff, which Nash. is ex Nash, which we'll be reviewing. Uh, which yeah, we've got a new wing. And so the, the wing, the wing market's still moving. That's still going. The sub market's definitely slowed down a bit. Naturally, it always does this time of year because the brands aren't bringing out the new stuff unless you're starving with the surf sub. Um, and there's a bit of stock left yeah. around generally. I think, people, I think a lot of brands are sat on a lot of stock, so less ability to invest into new product lines and things like that. Yeah, so. but we will be chatting about future predictions at the end, won't we? Oh, yeah. Which will bring, come back into that. Get my crystal ball out. <laughs> yeah. So should we move on to a bit of subtle news? Any of our, like, anything that we've been doing lately and stuff yeah well what, what have we been what's been published on subborder what's what's there what's what's available if you guys haven't seen it what's the what are the highlights there's pr a pretty major test that's gone on which is a buoyancy test i know not everybody might be thinking about buoyancy aids and stuff but it's a pretty hot topic becoming uh lately a lot with the suppers obviously not and the wingers actually mm -hmm. the wingers are getting into it we did a major test which was well how many 15 buoyancy aids 20 no, how many brands was it? 20 buoyancy aids, of which brands. we had about 40 because um, so, yeah. we had two sizes of each. So yeah, big test, eight testers. Um, and like I say, every single time, it's absolutely fascinating yeah. working on those tests. And, and the results and the findings that we find out over that day, we try and condense into a video that's consumable yeah. over a few cups of coffee or a few beers. Yeah. Um, and there's so much value in that, isn't there? Yeah. Because um, it's all about helping you understand which buoyancy aid style you want to go with, what buoyancy aids work for different sizes. Because um, ultimately, there's no really, there's no real reason not to wear a buoyancy aid for many, many disciplines mm. of paddleboarding. When you realise that how well some of them can fit you, and how much you realise they don't really feel like you're wearing them. Yeah. But it's important to get the right one, otherwise you're discouraged from wearing them. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm going to put my hand. I am. I am that person because I'm like. Mm. Neville buoyancy aids, okay, you do when you go dinghy sailing or something, but they used to be rubbish, Yeah, to be fair. But they're getting there. They, they are so much more comfortable than they were. Yeah. And they, they look better. They Don't get me wrong, there's some rubbish ones. Yeah, there are some rubbish ones. <laughs> um, and go and have a look at the test and you know you see some mm. of the, the less good ones, but they are, they are focusing a little bit more on paddleboarding and wing sports. Um, so yeah. Yeah, and yeah. So, and also if you're in colder country, winters, Point shade is a very cheap alternative to buying a new wetsuit. It's going to keep you so much warmer. Yeah, isn't it? 
amount of warmth anyway. But that's one of the tests that I initially was like, oh yeah, we're doing point J test, cool. And I started getting into it and I was like, wow, there's quite a lot in this. Blew Did my not mind. realize this. Blew was... my mind that test. Like, yeah. We, we, it was, I was a bit like, oh, it's going to be a bit dull, it's a bit safety. But actually, it was yeah. probably one of the most, I learned so much. And some of the feedback we've had um, from brands who have submitted points aids into that test has been really heavily around how much they learn about that, that category of product. Mm. They learn so much about points aids because I don't think anyone's ever done something like that before. No. Mm. So other stuff that we've had on the site that's been that we're doing a lot more of as well because it's that sort of season, a lot more how-to videos, yeah. a lot more basic how-to videos. There's a lot more videos um, coming out over the next month. Bo, you've done a, you're just about to do your second part in your beginner sup surf. How can we class it? It's getting somebody into sup surfing for the first time and looking yeah. at an inflatable composite board and then what composite board potentially would be best for you. Yeah, it's a very interesting video. I found it quite interesting just getting my head into that and understanding what the pros and cons are between both of them. Obviously, surfing an inflatable sup is really fun, but there's only a certain limit to the progression you can really mm. get to. So jumping on a hardboard is just going to excel your your progression so much quicker. You'd be able to you just get just the feedback you get from a hardboard. It's going to turn mm. a lot faster. Where you stand on the board, it's going to give you you know that feedback to to how it's going to turn. Um, it's just yeah, miles yeah. better. And then in the, the next video, we look at exactly what boards are on the market for beginner sup surfers and what boards you should be looking at. And we look at different boards based on different weight ranges as well. So um, yeah, tons of information yeah. in that video. That, that There's one thing, there's lots of things you, that got me on that first video. One, you, have you watched that one yet, Will? No, I haven't that watched that one. Bo talks about how when you move your back foot or your front foot on a hardboard and you place it on the rail and you turn, it obviously moves. You do it with an inflatable, it's slightly different every time with an inflatable. With a hardboard, it's there, it's responsive, it reacts the same way every single time. And I, that yeah, actually yeah, summarizes yeah. an inflatable surfing for me. <laughs> it's like you know how to do it and it will work, but how's it going to be every single time you catch a wave? Yeah, it's exactly. slightly different. Yeah, I think just and, the flex in the in the inflatable boards, if you press down on one side, you know that on an inflatable board, because it's not stiff, it's going to flex somewhere else. Yeah. There's going to be some reverberation happening. It's when you said that, I was like, ah, oh, yeah, that makes sense. What? And if there's a tiny little bump in the wave, you know, a composite board just charges right through it most of the time, unless it's really choppy. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, it's it, that's why I was like, and from you as a sup surf coach, you were like, yeah, this is why you're going to get a better result with a composite board. Because when you put that rail down, you push hard, you're going to get the same result every time, or nine, nine times out of ten. Yeah. So that was a really interesting, uh, yeah. But that that's well worth uh, describing if you're looking at, I just interested in sup surfing, really. Mm. Yeah. Um, some some of the how-to in for just for general general people who are paddling not into the surfing side of things. There's been some good stuff, just some really great tips really. Yeah. I, I feel about how to safely get in and out of the water without damaging equipment. Um, it's gonna be a good series of challenges coming up. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really cool. Some yeah, some sub challenges. Some sub challenges to get you out of your comfort zone. Yeah. What else have we done? We did brace strokes. That's really interesting. Brace strokes. Stuff. There's there's. There is actually quite a lot. We, to be honest, we want to do even more, don't we, on the housing yeah. stuff. We, we need to get even more. We have been doing a lot of reviews in the past, and we've, we're going to push even more into the housing stuff. Yeah, if, if you've got any stuff that you want making, as we always used to say, let us know what content you need, what you're unsure about. Um, always, always keen to, to hear your thoughts on that. Some of my favourite stuff has been Harry's Tech Talk stuff. Ooh, oh, yeah. That he's talking about, yes. Yeah, yeah. Harry's Tech Talks are, are great, and... Um, some of the feedback that we've got from that 
um, is fantastic. People really, really love understanding the science behind why certain things are happening. Yeah. So we've done board length and how that affects what you know what what why is board length affect speed, and we've also done stability, haven't we? And mm -hmm. uh, yeah, Harry knows what he's talking about, and there's some yeah. really great stuff in there. So Harry's a naval architect, yeah. and we really talk the techie stuff about it. Yeah, yeah. And I thought it's probably going to be a bit too techy for um, me for a lot of people. My word, you're loving it. Yeah, yeah. You are I think absolutely it's, loving it. I think Harry communicates it in a really nice, simple way, so it doesn't get. It's, it's talking about science, but not in a really, really nice I think it's because he's standing next to an idiot. <laughs> and then he can put it in well, a real layman's term. I was going to say. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> yeah, so it, that's techie stuff. We Maybe we'll do fins, fin placement. There's yeah, tons and it, again, of stuff. If, you've, if you've got, like, I want to know how this works, and it's to do with the board or the paddle. No shape. No, and we'll get Harry digging, digging into his textbooks. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> how drafting works physically. That was oh. quite a good one. Yeah, so you know you just go behind somebody. Most people know that drafting is you know one after the other, but how does it actually work? Mm. Yeah, the, the dynamics, the water flow, and stuff that could be quite good. Yeah, yeah. So that's really that's again that's some pro, but it, it's well worth so much good content on pro. Well <laughs> yeah. worth the subscription. Yeah, no, it is. It's there's some good good fun stuff. So what's stuff coming? Um, well, I said we've got that sub, sub challenge series that's coming out. That's going to be one out this week, actually, or one last week. We filmed this week, yeah. And what's that all about? That is about, as I said, pushing your comfort zone, making you become a better paddler, but you know, on flat water. Yeah, so they're kind so of training drills. Training drills, um, yeah, doing stuff like riding finless, um, wheelie challenges, getting your board up in the air, stability challenges, that sort of stuff. Brilliant. Um, yeah, to just really push you out of that comfort zone, as I said. Otherwise, well, this week we've been doing the oh, lightweight yes. and compact test. Ooh. Yes. Very, very interesting. Very interesting. And it's yeah. got a couple of the boards here, actually. We've got, yeah. Um, so compact test, we this idea came to what was it, about four months, five months ago, before that, actually. We always wanted this compact sort of test yeah. to do it. But it's an interesting one because when we talk about compact board, are we talking a board that's light? Or are we talking about a board that's small and compact? Yeah. Um, the good example of that, the board over there behind Bo, the original Red Paddle Co Compact, um, that is the 11... It's the slightly longer one, but not the yeah, longest. Not, yeah, that's, so that, that's... So many numbers. They were like one of the first major brands, big brand, to, to put a lot of R&D into a compact, small foldable board. So yeah. we're going to put that one up against another... How many have we got in total? We've got 11 boards, 11 boards. which wow. we've tested, and um, we can't say a lot about it yet because we're still sort of in the thick of analysing yeah. it all, aren't we? But Amazing test, lots of fun, great for our tests to come down. And yeah, so whether you want a light one that maybe is more flexible or a heavier one that's stiffer, whatever you want for your needs for transport or, you know, just something, let's say, really lightweight, that, that we'll, we will answer that. I think a lot of the questions that people had asked us about this test was, um, what compromise am I going to have to put up with by having one of these lightweight boards or yeah. these compact boards? And there is there is compromises. The compromises are a bit different depending on what the board is. And it's just helping people be aware of what they're going to have to accept, um, mm. how that board doesn't work so well. But you know, in return, you get a board that is packs up half the size um, and you know, sometimes has a better backpack, much mm. better for adventure. 
I think yeah, it's, an, it's a great another great test because it's it's like a new type of test. Surf tests we've done before, race board tests we've done before. We know the layout with this. It's been like okay, how do we do this? A bit like the Boynton test. It's like it's more of an informational guide, and then it becomes a test as and well. A, and a lot more focus on the whole package, like the bag, the way the pump works. The pumps all a bit different. Mm -hmm. So yeah, like not just about the board. It's about that whole package and the whole journey you make with the board, which mm. is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's a sh and again, it's a huge amount of work, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Don't underestimate how much these tests are. It's not just us writing a few notes and just putting a picture out. We're not just a print publication, we're a video publication. <laughs> We've got to make all this stuff. It's like, printers will hate us for saying that, but um, yeah, there's a lot of work in it. A lot of work, and that's why we need our testers to help with that. I think there's another test toward the end of July, I hear. There's a white water. Oh, yeah. White this is water. really exciting one to get going because white water is really getting some, some momentum now. Um, Beth Kirby up in Nottingham in the UK is doing some really amazing stuff. She's got so much energy and passion for white water paddling. And um, she, we've been working with her. She's willing to take on running a head-to-head -head test, which is, as we just said, is a pretty massive undertaking. We're going to help her with that. Um, we've got a bunch of boards lined up to be in that mm -hmm. test. Um, and it's kind of, they've got the best the best location there really, because yeah. they've just got, you know, they've got controlled it's testing like, conditions. It's like doing a wave test at a wave pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. guaranteed. She's got a number of helpers coming and help that as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so um, that one hopefully will we'll get pulled together um, sort of during August. So um, yeah, if you're into whitewater paddling and or looking at how to get into it, that's going to be focusing on whitewater boards. The first whitewater boards people will be paddling on yeah um so gonna be a really good uh piece that should be interesting to a lot of people who fancy getting on moving water yeah and beth has actually just done or is doing right now right, today right you're watching it on the saturday this this video is out um her, an event up there with you know white water paddling sup racing down white water river it's there's a lot of really great stuff yeah. um going on so we'll we'll bring out some highlights of that no doubt on the site but yeah home pier pond yeah. Right, before we do our Ask the Expert questions and showing what we've, some of the questions we've been answering over the last month, I want to have a little bit of a show you something. I'll show you something, but this is about foilers serving etiquette. Are you going to give me a hard time? No, it might not be a hard time, but <laughs> I'll, put, I'll put the video up on the screen as well. You can see this. I want Bo to watch this video here. Um, nice wave. Nice wave. So this Pumping. is where, this is where. He's just been testing this. Is this is a while ago actually? Yeah. This yeah. is fanatic foil stuff. I'm out sub surfing after I've been filming and I've just put the camera on the beach. So he's had a nice wave, oh, and then okay, right? He's pumped back it. out. You missed no, no, no. It. He's pumped yeah. out. I was like, I would have pulled off that. So yeah, okay. That's and that's a very common sight. Okay, but then when the third wave comes around, I'm like, you're gonna catch this one or what? I'm like, really? Are you really gonna? And then he. Obviously, does do that now. I, I that's fine because I know him and there's only others there. <laughs> but my question is for everybody out there: who, who, who Where does it stop? <laughs> yeah, where does this stop? I've seen a lot of videos recently of some very good foilers, and that's exactly what they do. They just, just keep, go going. keep going, but you can always there's keep people going. on the wave. You there's can keep going, people on the wave. I think, yeah, when you're that good, yeah. yeah, yeah. But they are dropping in. Drop, yeah, I guess dropping in on surfers already on the wave, further but they're ahead, further or? on the shoulder. Yeah, but it's very you could have kept riding that. I, I could have kept riding that, and basically, I did. I went and smashed aerial inside, but 
Um, <laughs> no, the, the, it's if if you know that person, it's it's different. It's yeah, a little yeah. bit light. But yes. if if you don't, and there was a four on the wave, it's very intimidating, especially if you're lying down paddling in prone. It's like, oh my god, there's a freaking razor blade in front of my face. So, just word of you know caution, wording, have a little bit of respect, foilers. Not looking at will because they don't really matter. But yeah, I uh, think if uh, I was if I wasn't if it wasn't you, I wouldn't I wouldn't I would be more um, be more. Um, not cautious. And also, because you're doing it on a sup, right? If you do that on a sup and you're foiling, you've got two of the most annoying things. <laughs> surf, the, the true surfers, they would say, you know, I'm not foiling. And you're definitely not sup surf. And I'm definitely not sup foiling. And then I got dropped in on a sup surf foiler. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like, would, I would say, though, that there's not really much need for you to be sup surf foiling at a wave where people are going to be surfing, oh, yeah. prone surfing, or even sup surfing. Um, so generally, I always look into spots that there's no one at. Mm. So because you can on a foil, yeah, and you need slight, like particularly unless you're really advanced, you don't need hardcore waves. No, it might get yeah. to the point where foils in the future are getting so much you can just get right in the pocket and you know bust. Mm. I know the top guys are like busting airs and coming back on the face and stuff, but like you said, most of the time you just need a bump, a bit of crumbling white water, and you're I guess I guess the um, on the flip side, you probably have the next. 10, 15, 30 waves because I was still recovering. Yeah. <laughs> I do know that it comes back out and on the third wave I'm like, he's, he's knackered. He's done. He's a, he's, got, he's a 200 meter sprinter. He's got nothing else yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I, I do know that as these foils get more efficient and as maybe our fitness gets more tuned for it, it's going to get worse and worse and worse. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot of people out there going, oh yeah, like busy breaks. I can see, I can imagine. Yeah, yeah. It can become a problem. So it is States worth, and stuff. Worth keeping an eye on. Yeah, have a bit of respect. Really. Anyway, should we move on with some of the questions we've got? Yeah, we've been answering some people. Um, Bo, what have you got? In fact, you've got a good one on surf. On I do have a good one on surf. Yeah, should we yeah. start with that one? Yeah, let's start with that one. Yeah, cool. So I had a question from an Ask the Expert um, subscriber on Subboard Pro come through, and it was about sub longboarding and what size board to get because sub longboarding it's taking a bit of a split in sizes. Originally, it was ten foot class kind of sub longboarding. Mm -hmm. Get a 10 foot board but now there's a lot of nine foot boards on the market that are really tailored to sup longboarding mm. still with that round nose you can walk up there nose riding things like that so which size to go for either a nine foot or a 10 foot it's it's quite a good question i think mm. and something that i guess you need to think about storage and transport and all that kind of stuff as well but um also how you want to surf i think is the biggest question you need to ask yourself how do you okay. want to ride the board do you want to surf it more radical or do you want it to you know, paddle fast, catch waves easy, and just walk the board and cruise along, kind of mm. thing. Because I, I find a 10 foot board, it feels too big. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't know if that's because I'm just not really used to long boards or whether it's because I'm a smaller rider. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, probably, probably a bit of both. Probably a bit of both. Probably, yeah, probably a bit of both. And, and the longer it is, the, the harder it is to surf. Yes. But probably I, I could learn to surf it, but it just feels a little bit out of my comfort zone. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, mm. for sure. Mm. Get nine six. <laughs> I actually right, have got a nine six. There you go. Board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but for a lot of sub longboard uh, events, ten foot is the minimum. Yeah. So if you are thinking of entering that, obviously ten yeah. foot board is the way to go. Okay, yeah. But uh, for me personally, I feel like you get more because because you got a paddle, you can use it to turn the board a lot easier and you know a bit quicker. You can really lean on it and use it to, to turn. 
I find that a 10 foot board is very much that long board style. So if you want to cruise, walk the board, mm -hmm. get to the nose, do yeah. some smooth turns, that's great. And I'd prefer to do that. But then if you wanted to drop down onto a nine foot, I'd highly recommend lighter weight riders, you know, women getting into that longboarding to go for that nine foot option. So much easier to turn, yeah. like you're saying, and you can still nose ride it as well. But then again, for me personally, because I like to surf a bit more radical, if I'm dropping down and I'm thinking it's a longboard shape, nine foot, I want to go vertical on it, but they don't really allow for that. Yeah. So it's like a mindset as well. So, so you're saying that when you ride your pro longboard, because you're mm -hmm. very handy at that as well, and that's a, what length? The nine foot? Nine I've one? got a nine six. That's a nine six, Yeah, it's it? like a log. It's very single fin, quite okay. wide. Cruisy. Cruisy. And so the equivalent wouldn't be a nine six in a sup, it would be a 10 foot. It'd be 10 foot, yeah. Definitely is that 10 foot. Yeah. But then you get down on the nine foot, you feel like it's almost, because a lot of them, like these boards, these are only a foot off a long, longboard shape. Yeah, Not true. Not shape, but longboard length. Yeah. So yeah, okay. Yeah, so, but I think, yeah, I think it's just, how you want to surf it if you want to be able to turn it easy go for the smaller one so like is a, a nine foot board is a performance long board is more performance long boarding sometimes if the mm -hmm. shape permits it a 10 footer is more of a log cruisy yeah type yeah. stuff but you can still throw it around, throw it around yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of it comes down to the shape I guess. yes exactly like you you let's look at the smick hipster long board yeah versus say the loco logger yeah, yeah. so the Two completely different boards, same length. One turns super easy, the other one doesn't, but then the logger nose rides way better than yeah. the, the SMIC. So Interesting. there's yeah, a lot of trade-offs between different mm. boards. Um, have you got any question? What height question would you like to highlight? Yeah, I had a, a nice question from Sammy, who is in Finland. Yeah. And the question's about can you use a board that is maybe designed for flat water on open water, open ocean board. Um, I think it's the Gulf of Finland or something, so it's not really open ocean, but it's choppy water it's and you, know, you get the same type of conditions. And um, yeah, I thought it was quite interesting because it's, yeah, like it, if it's saying it's a flat water board, you think I can only use it on flat water, but that's not always the case. You can use it on choppy water. Mm -hmm. um, often they're just a little bit more technical to ride because the benefits that you get from extra speed, flat water boards might be low rockered, um, it might be narrower and their design and their shape, particularly composite boards, is more focused around speed. Mm. Um, but boards that work in open water, like your review of the generation, generation. inflatable, where it's got much more nose and tail rocker, that really helps um, it work in open water conditions. So those flat water boards, yes, they can work in open water conditions, just maybe a little bit more technical to ride. Mm. So. Um, Generally, I think in Finland it was calm conditions, but now and again the wind can blow up. And Sammy didn't want to be in a board that wasn't going to, you know, was was going to suddenly become impossible to use. It won't become impossible to use; it will just become a bit more technical to ride. Mm. Is that compromise? A bit more footwork, you know. Yeah, it's always the compromise. It mm. just doesn't. Yeah, flat water board. It's sort of relating that even to having a surf up that you can use. Well, like you, the the go, going back to a lot of starboard stuff. The starboard go. That's a surf up, but you can flat walk paddle it, can't you? So it's yeah. out of that. Well, yeah, there was a YouTube comment recently actually on about the Fnatic B. Like, I think it's eight oh, yeah. foot, is it? Yeah, yeah it's like a yeah. seven and an eight, isn't it? Yeah, maybe the eight foot, they're like, I really want to buy this because I really want to get into foiling and sub surfing, but I also want a flat water paddle. Can I flat water paddle it? Oh, yeah, you can flat water paddle it. You yeah. don't get very far. I mean, I used to go sup fishing on a 7 Eleven. Yeah, yeah, I used to flat water paddle on a nine foot board. Yeah, I wouldn't even think about that now. 
<laughs> That's because we've got whoever <laughs> yeah, two exactly. containers worth of bills with such yeah. knobs. Mm. Yeah. But no, you, yeah, 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 of course you can. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, it's just a compromise of what's what's the best for your yeah. and how much. I think it's always percentaging your thing. I did it in the generation. Always percentage how much you're going to be doing a certain aspect of whatever sport it is, and then buy the product for the higher percentages. And then the yeah, yeah, yeah. So if your majority is going to be paddling on flat water like Sammy, go for a flat water board, but you'll still better use that if the wind gets up or blows up on a particular yeah. day. Do you think um, it might it might get to a point, say you're on the flat water board in tropic conditions, where your ability kind of comes into play a little bit because yeah. maybe you won't have the footwork. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah it, it might be a really great tool to be able to learn to how to do the footwork, but in those situations it might become, I wouldn't say unsafe, but it could become challenging and frustrating as well. Yeah, yeah, I think so. You've got to be, you've got to be, make sure that you're, I think you can ride that board in more challenging conditions. So perhaps go out on, on, in a controlled conditions in windy on a windy day when you know you're not going to get in trouble. You've got some mates around you and things yeah. like that. Um, yeah, but I think ultimately it's all about learning. I think what I actually highlighted to Sammy was your video on no shapes, bottom of no oh, yeah. shapes, and um, that was really helpful. And it's it's just understanding why your board works mm. the way it does is really key because then you know. What you're dealing with like understanding how the technology works or the mm. shape works for and against you mm. will make you a better paddler mm. um, mm -hmm. yeah no that's it's, it's all about trying it and, and asking us if you're unsure that's another yeah. way yeah um one of the questions i had it was a few questions actually it's about which is and it's actually quite a good time for me to answer it getting kids in subsurfing one question was around the boards what sort of inflated paddle boards could you look at and stuff and i got back about boards with fins on the rails not very thick um just to get them so that you know just like sub surfing when you what just like when we go our sub surf test so you can get enough traction going down the line but then it also got me thinking about how you get your kids into sub surfing and how the best option and the best route to get your kids into up sub surfing and then i think there's quite a few out there who are especially in the summer it's sort of time you know izzy my daughter's now nine she's getting into surfing and sub surfing and how we go about that and I just would have said that I think it's quite good if you do, and Bo, you might agree with me or disagree, you do surfing and sup surfing at the same time. Yes. So even if you've got a sup, only own a sup, let them paddle in prone, as in lying down without the paddle, get used to the waves, just slowly, slowly, softly, get them rolling over, jumping off the waves, having loads of fun. Don't just take them sup surfing because mm. they probably will. You know, It's a lot to think because I, I did it with Izzy. We got her on, I got her up on that, seven, she's been surfing that 7.5, which is massive, mm -hmm. lying down. And then she can paddle, you know, to a good level. So we've got, I say, hold, hold my paddle, because I was out surf, so hold my paddle. And then, and then there's a oh, waves, a lot to think about. So, okay, back down surfing again, you know. So then maybe I'll put her on the flat and teach her about paddling in with your feet and offset stance and stuff like that. So it's just slowly, I'll say it in all the kids' videos, slowly does it. But I do think learning to surf as well as sup surf at the same time is the way to go. Yeah, if you can learn to surf first, if you can understand how the board moves, then you can, you know the ways you can get into position. It makes up surfing so much easier because adding that paddling, like like with Izzy, it just throws everything out the window. Yeah. So you you, just, you don't even think about what you've learnt surfing. You just kind of forget it all. Yeah. Like, what do I do with this paddle? <laughs> yeah. So. So I think I, so. And, yeah. Even learning and practicing the skills on flat water. Yeah. As well. Step so, back so transferring and, this away from yeah. the kid thing, if you're getting into sup surfing, 
do think it's good to just lie down and just prone and catch a few waves and just see what it's like when the wave pushes you and all this sort of stuff. Because the board will be really, really boring, yeah. really easy to paddle into waves probably compared yeah. to a smaller surfboard. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so any other questions? I think you've got one, Will, actually, on that list I saw. Yeah, I heard a nice one. It's quite interesting because it's relevant to a few reviews we're going to be doing um, in the coming weeks. It was a question uh, about what shape of board or ice up would be best in choppy water. Okay. And it got me thinking about a lot of the, the riding I've been done. And I, f I find personally that the nose kicks on a lot, what you see on a lot of ice ups don't really do a lot. And um, what was really interesting was riding the starboard touring board a few years ago. It must be three years ago now. And that's completely flat. And it's got what we call a refined nose on it. Mm -hmm. And um, it's just the nose is a little bit more streamlined, isn't it? And actually what you find is when you've got the weight of the rider on the board, as it, the chop hits the front, it kind of flexes and lifts the nose up anyway. And because it's a refined nose rather than a really flat fronted nose, it kind of the water wraps around it. So actually, I think if you're going out in a lot of choppy water, you don't necessarily need a load of nose rocker or anything on your board. Um, yeah. Good video that you did about refined noses and nose shapes on ice ups. Um, that's worth a watch to understand that. But I think we'll probably start seeing more of those those types of shapes going forward because I think more factories are getting the ability to manufacture in that way because okay. it's a bit of a manufacturing. Yeah. Um, so it's thing. like the opposite again to the starboard generation video yeah, I just because yeah. that's got rocker. It hasn't, yeah. the, hasn't got the nose kick you were talking about. That that's like right at the end. You're talking yeah, about the yeah. little bit you see right at the end. Often you see a little kick up. Yeah. yeah. So um, you're saying that basically just almost slows you down. It still goes well, through the way. It shortens your waterline length, so if you you know, which means you go slower. Mm -hmm. um, but all that happens is you go slower, but it, it I don't think it it limits what you do. But if you if you just drop that rocker off and you have a a normal manufactured rail which is very square, the water hits the front and stops the board. Yeah. So you can't just get rid of the the, the rock and the nose kick. You've got to change to a refined nose, and that refined nose. Just lets the water wrap around you and then you don't need much rocker because the board is always going to have some inherent flex in it as you and as the water comes underneath you that also flexes the board as well as your weight and your stroke bending the board so i think a flat board can work pretty well i think the ultimate is when you start to see these nose cones that you see in the sharks mm. up boards that you did a video on recently airline um, the airline you know those nose cone style boards there's one coming from STX, Performance Tourer, that we're yeah. going to be reviewing soon. Um, nose cones can work really well in choppy water. Jake, so we're looking forward to seeing the nose shapes into the future, talking about the future. Oh. Let's finish off the sup and or oh, the panel and foil show, get the words right, um, looking at the future of the industries. Because yeah. you've been, well, I suppose you'd be, you've been speaking to a lot of brands lately, actually, haven't you? So you know what's sort of going on. Yeah, and I think what that, do you think is going to happen over the next six to well, three years? Well, I think in paddleboarding, we've seen a bit of a slowdown in um, developments and innovation because paddleboards have been selling without really any effort. Mm. Definitely inflatable paddleboards as well. Paddleboards have so. just been off the shelves. But now it's, it's hugely slowed down. There's a lot of stock sitting around. There's probably some great bargains to be had. Um, but also, um, because they've been selling really well, there's there's no need to invest in developing the product if it's selling super, super well. Yes. Um, but now I think the market is going to, I think we're going to see a lot of brands disappearing. Altogether? Think, yeah, completely, completely going. Because you've had a lot of pop-up brands. I think we're going to see a lot of those going because people are going to realize that paddleboarding isn't as easy as may, 
you, they think it is to make money out of. So we're going to see some more well-established brands, um, uh, the, the well-established brands, the brands that have got great design teams, the brands that have got some depth within their brand. They're doing some good, um, mm. you know, good things outside of paddleboarding or community projects. Mm. I think those ones that, gonna, that we're going to see thrive. And I think to stand out product-wise, brands are going to have to innovate. They're going to have mm. to do some different things. And um, uh, so I think we're going to see, I think maybe not for next season, but, the, but for 2025, I think we're going to see some interesting innovations, some people driving the product forward in terms of getting that inflatable board closer to the performance of a hard board. So stiffness, rail shapes and those shapes. That would be my prediction. Wow. That would be interesting. Yeah. Just because I think that they've got a bit of time and headspace now, because mm. I think in the pandemic and when everything was really mad after the pandemic, it was all about, we just got to get these orders out. We've got to get these orders out and there's not enough time to actually focus on product. There's no need to, mm. but now I think people have to. And also I think winging and foiling is taking a large amount of R and D time. A lot of these brands that do do that, obviously, if, if they're yeah. just an inflatable paddle brand, they don't do foiling. They're not going to be worried about it. But yeah, and I think you'll start to see that you've got development teams where the paddleboard guys were the wing guys and the foil guys, but now they may be finding the time to re to resource it properly. So you've mm. got wing teams and sub teams to to move things forward, whereas before it was probably just the same guys doing everything. Mm. Um, and it's it's funny again looking at the foiling world market because that's still been chonking away because nobody wants to get left behind like one brand brings out this so another brand has got to counteract that move and bring out that and then and it's a bit of a fight to the bottom or the top whichever way you want to look at it um to come up with that's why there's so much new kit coming that's why the surf industry is so nice it's so long in the tooth it's like there's some new stuff but it's just slowly the mm. sub market's a bit in between the two foiling market is a bit and some of the stuff it's coming out it's not it doesn't need we were chatting about this the other day it doesn't need to actually be in the market like most people aren't at that level. most people don't need it yeah there's a lot of very high-end stuff and people don't quite know what is too high-end for them and what we talked about last time um you need the kit to make you rip but actually sometimes yeah. you just need to be on the basic kit and learn to rip yeah, yeah. Um, so i think the foiling definitely is focused a lot of the brands who do foiling as well they've been pushing towards that but i think they need to wake yeah maybe they will the sub market is still big and i think that definitely like you said the inflatable market that is something that where they're going to push towards yeah i think i think we need to see some innovation in in the inflatable market because it's it's just the same old stuff and i i don't think we're even scratching the surface of what we can do with inflatable technology really there's one thing which we could have covered earlier which i think we cover now if we can around warranties around inflatable paddles particularly because obviously if you have a problem with your inflatable paddle board, let's say you get your inflatable paddle board and the deck pad is coming off or it's got a twist or there's a bit of rail that needs sticking back down. Something that's sort of minor, but still a problem and it needs to be sorted out. Um, for a lot of the brands, the you can get a replacement board, but you may need to chop it in half, chop it in half, which is a horrible, you know, environmental, you've got a, you can't do anything with a broken board that's in half but you were discussing with us and telling us a very valid reason why this is becoming a very real thing or 
for factories why why it's important yeah so you know we've had to cut cut up a few boards that we got in i'm not going to share the names of the brands because that's not really fair because these these problems happen across all the brands mm. but if you have a, a leak or a seam that's leaking and you identify that the the brand doesn't really the brand doesn't really want to have that product in the market because it you know it doesn't it doesn't look good for the brand um, so often the the push is to to cut it up, replace it, and they get their money back from the, the factory who ultimately will feel the pain because they've made a board that's substandard. Right, yeah. But actually, there's a lot of criticism for doing that because you could get it and keep it into the you could get that product into the market. Um, yeah, it's a second, but it hasn't gone into landfill. But I think the problem with that. That sort of argument is that does then yet yeah, it, it you've got something that goes into landfill if you do it the other way, but if you fix it, the factory doesn't really feel the pain. And what we want to do is improve the quality so there's never any problems mm-hmm. because then we don't end up with loads of ice ups going into to landfill. So I'm you know it's not it's a relatively new concept in my head, but mm. I think perhaps if the factory feels the crisis, feels the pain feels it financially in their pocket that they're having to, you know, they've made a board, spent all the money on the materials and and Mm. they have to then fork out the money back to the, to the, to the brand. Then maybe that's a better way of sorting the problem out. Yeah. Just, it was just a different way of thinking. Different way of thinking about it. Cause um, yeah, we generally have always been, and maybe we still are, we're open to either way. It's not, I'd love to know your thoughts on this. Yeah. It's better to give it to a local school and let kids use it or, you know, give it to a friend who's getting yeah, into racing. Yeah. But then, yeah, like you said, does it really come back? Does that factory, do they actually make a better ball in the long run? Yeah, do, do, mm. do, they, actually... do they feel the pain that will motivate them to sort out the issue that caused the problem in the first place? And if you, you avoid it going into landfill, but you end up with lots of substandard product which until it gets to the point so yeah do you end up with more boards made at that level until they feel that pain yeah yeah so there's another side to the argument of just don't put it in landfill i think um and and also there's 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 a very very genuine safety worry if a board has got a leak how do you know that that's not going to properly catastrophically fail Mm. because you know i've had some that you could get away with using them no problem like the leak is so small but they've got a leak so you're like you know, I know it's got a leak, so it's mm. it's not really up to standard. But what happens if that you've got that on a hot day? You're you're out doing a you're out at sea where you rely on your board and it goes bang, like, or you're around the coast on some beach and you're going to paddle back. Exactly. So it's I think, yeah, yeah. Mm. You have you have got to think about it like seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. Obviously, we don't want to put loads of stuff into landfill, but um, yeah, yeah. That's going to be an interesting future thing. This is again predicting the future, see what happens. Again, please let us know your thoughts on that. But shall we should we wrap this up? Let's wrap it I up. Hope we haven't bored you too much. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. There's just a little bit of a snippet of what we cover on Startup Border Pro, which is our subscription service. And obviously we've got loads of stuff on YouTube, which you've probably already found. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that. Check out our Startup Border main website, startupbordermain.com. Ask us a question, get us a comment, let us know how you're feeling, what you're doing, what you're paddling. And if you want to support the magazine, sign up to Startboarder Pro and not only do you support us, but you get a load of extra content. Yes. Yeah. Thank you very much. Cheers, chaps. Cheers, guys. We'll see you later. Bye.